kids in the front row. Normally, this time, begin next week, we're going to have, I think it's still on Amanda, isn't it? We're going to have a children's church next door starting this week. Pastor Allen has announced it, so you guys better get after it. Okay. I've announced that it is, it is coming to pass. We're going, we need, we will be having children's church coming up, but this morning there isn't. So for those of you at home, you've already had a hefty dose of vacation Bible school, but that vacation, yeah, but that's going to continue this morning because kids, I've changed this morning's message for you guys. Uh, how many boys and girls like Lego? Yeah. How many parents have ever stepped on Lego? Anyone? <laughs> Yeah, it's almost it almost causes fatal accident. It's it's rough stuff. We love Lego. And this morning, kids, keep your eyes open because in today's message, Pastor Allen often has pictures on the screen. But in preparing the message, I went to a, a site that you guys would enjoy too. It's called BrickTestament.com, and you have the New Testament stories all depicted in Lego with a little Bible captions and so forth. And so we have pictures from the Brick Testament as part of the story today. Boys and girls, if you haven't been here, you've been somewhere else this uh, summer so far. We're talking about Jesus' 12 disciples. We call them the apostles because they were sent. And we've talked about them and how the same way Jesus sends them, he wants to send us to tell the world about, about Jesus' love for us. So this morning, guess what disciple we're talking about? We've talked about James and a whole bunch of them, but today we're talking about a disciple, an apostle with two names, two names. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call him Bartholomew, but in John, his name is given as Nathaniel. It's the same person. We see them in scripture. They're both best friends with Philip and they go out together and they do things together. We're going to find out why. Now, how many of you boys and girls have more than one name? How many names do you have? How many names do you have? Zeke and Ezekiel. I think you have more than that. What's your last name? Oh, yeah. So how many names do you really have? And Stuart is a middle name. What a good middle name. Isaiah, I'm not even going to ask him. He's crazy. He's got four names. Isaiah, Seth, William, Powell. That's that's a lot. Does anybody here only have two names? Most people have more than two even. Anyone? Sometimes we older folks only have two names. Mom and dad had like 19 kids and got tired, you know, and just gave us only one at the end. Boys and girls, that I think is why Nathaniel Bartholomew has two names. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke call him Bartholomew, which is in Greek. It's Bartolomaeus. Bar means son of. It means son of Ptolemy. Now his father, Ptolemy, that's interesting. His name has a meaning. It means farmer. It actually means a person who plows the ground who tills the soil. A modern version of that name would be Tillerson. And so his, that's really a last name. When we see that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see a last name. Whenever you see son of, that's not their first name. It's always their last name. But John, writing later, tells us his first name, Nathaniel. And that's a wonderful name. It means God has given. So his name was Nathaniel Bartholomew. It's a wonderful name that he had. Well, this apostle today, we are going to learn from him because he was, it's a funny phrase, get this, I've called him 
an honest skeptic. Of all the apostles, an honest skeptic. Now look at this next picture. Look at that. Isn't that a cute little boy? Who is old enough to remember who that is? Anybody? Oh yeah, (laughs) Phil is. Anybody? Yeah. This is a little boy. His name, is, he was an actor. His name was Gary Coleman. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple years back. But when he became famous back in the 80s for playing a little boy in a TV show called Different Strokes. Different Strokes. And his name in the show was Arnold. Arnold Jackson. And he was a little boy adopted into a family. Him and his big brother were adopted by this family. And his big brother's name was Willis. And whenever Willis, the big brother, would tell the little brother something, the little brother, I guess he'd been tricked once or twice, he never believed his big brother. And so when he made this face, we all know what he would say. He'd say, what you talking about, Willis? He he would. That was his catchphrase. What you talking about, Willis? You know, and whenever he'd hear something, he would never believe it. He'd just go, what you talking about, Willis? You kids, say that with me. What you talking about, Willis? Let's say that. Put your hands on your hips. What you talking about, Willis? That's good. I've raised some skeptics in the bunch. Good. You kids use that when you get home and mom and dad ask you to do something, take out the garbage. What you talking about, mama? No. (laughs) All right. I'm winding them up and sending them home. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's what a skeptic is. They don't take it. When you tell them something... They don't believe it right away. Sometimes they say, that's too good to be true. You almost have to prove it to them. Well, I think Nathaniel Bartholomew's a bit of a skeptic, but he's an honest skeptic. So let's, let's, if you have your Bible, open it to John chapter one. This is where John tells us that Bartholomew's name was Nathaniel, and he tells the story of how Jesus called Nathaniel to be one of his followers. It's an amazing story. The first point is, that friends tell friends about Jesus. If you have something that's so good or have met somebody so wonderful, if you have a friend, you don't keep it to yourself. You share it. Now, I know this is something kids sometimes have a hard time with is sharing, but if you are a good friend, you want to share good things. And Nathaniel, we're told, among the disciples had a great friend. His name was Philip. And in Scripture, they're always connected. They're always friends. When Jesus sends them out on mission trips, Nathaniel and Philip always go together. They're always connected. And here's why it's important. Because Philip tells Nathaniel about Jesus. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 43... It says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Now there it is. You see Jesus walking by the crowd and that crowd of Lego people, they're there watching Lego John the Baptist because those people had left their homes to listen to John the Baptist. And among those people were Philip, Nathaniel, Peter, 
Andrew, John, and probably James. A lot of the early followers of Jesus were not only fishermen, but they were seeking God's truth and listening to John the Baptist. Now, Jesus was listening to John the Baptist and he got baptized way down in the south by the city of Jericho. But now Jesus was going to his home area of Galilee. But before he left, he told Philip, Philip, don't stay here. I want you to follow me. So Philip has heard of Jesus and he's going to follow Jesus as a follower of Jesus. So what's Philip do before he leaves following Jesus? He remembers his best friend, Nathaniel, and he runs to Nathaniel to tell him the good news of what he's learned about Jesus as the son of God. We see that in John chapter one, verse 45. It says, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Isn't that exciting? We have found the Messiah. We found the Savior, the coming King of Israel that the Bible promised. Because in those days, we just had what we call the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. See, Nathaniel and Philip, they studied their Bible. They knew that God had promised to send a Savior and a king. They didn't realize God was going to send the son of God to fulfill that for us, but he did. Now this news was so good. Did Philip keep that good news to himself? No, he told his friend. That reminds me, friends are so important. Look at the friends in this picture. Two boys, they're friends. They might be brothers, but they're not punching each other. So I think they're friends, okay? This reminds me of one of my best friends when I was a little boy. When I lived in San Jose, California, my best friend was from a a Mexican family down the street, the Contreras family. Oh, they were our best friends. And in that family, my best friend, we were about a year apart. We were never in the same grade, but we were really close. His name was Louis. Luis, his mom and dad called him, but everybody else just called him Louis. Now, Louis was a good friend. If he had something good, he would share it with you. And one day, believe it or not, Louis found one of the greatest things in the world. Now, Louis and I, we liked candy. We liked all kinds of candy, but nothing was a perfect candy. We liked our chocolates. We liked jelly beans. But some of you are old enough to remember, candy has changed. We didn't have the options that other people have. When Grandpa Ken King was a little boy, they had black licorice or dirt. That was all you had to eat. That was it. Licorice or dirt. And that's why Grandpa Ken likes licorice, because... He got tired of dirt after a while, okay? But when I was a boy, much later, that (laughs) we had a few more options. But one day, believe it or not, Louis comes to me and he says, Butch, because that was my name back then. He says, Butch, you won't believe I have found the most amazing candy. And I say, whoa, what you talking about, Louis? No, I didn't say that. I said, Louis, what do you mean? He says, he says, you know, the sugar chalet I said, isn't that a candy store? But that's a long ways away. He says, it's a special candy store. They bring candy from around the world and they have a candy there I've never seen. But I tasted it 
And it's like angels were singing in my mouth. It was so good. And we dug in our pockets and we had a little bit of change. And I said, is this enough? And he says, whatever money you have, you lay it on the counter and they go with a little scoop and they weigh the candy and they give you how much you can buy. And they put it in a little brown paper bag and they give it to you. I said, well, we got to go. So we both got on our bicycles and we rode and we rode. It was a long ways to the east of where we lived. And we rode across busy streets with six lanes of traffic. And and finally, all hot and sweaty, we get to the sugar chalet and we put our money on the counter and the little man behind there says, what do you want? And Louis told him the candy that we had never had because it wasn't in our country until just that year. Louis said, we want to buy this brand new candy, never before eaten. They're called gummy bears. Oh, and I said, I said, that is it gum? Do we chew it like gum? And Louis says, no, it's not gum. It's gummy and it's bears, but it's so good. So I got those gummy bears and oh, I don't know if you kids have ever had gummy bears. Have you heard of those? Yeah. Obviously, because the gummy bears had children and they were gummy worms and gummy fish and the gummy world has exploded. But in those days, we never had them. A brown paper bag. Oh, that's exciting. What could be in the brown paper bag? Gummy bears. Oh, who would like just a taste, just one bear? And these aren't the biggest gummy bears. I call them gummy cubs. They're diet bears. No, they're not diet. <laughs> Here, let me put on. <laughs> okay, who's this remind you of, man? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> who would like a gummy bear? Just one. Okay. Everybody wishes they'd sit closer to the front. These are so good. These are some of the best gummy bears. What they lack in stature, they make up in deliciousness. There's not a bad flavor in the bunch. Not a bad flavor. Normally pineapple, you kind of pick them out, but these, they're wonderful. That is so good. Oh, more kids coming up. Hey. All right. Here you go, buddy. This is how we know how many kids are in church. Here you go, buddy. There you go, Luke. All right. I should give the rest to Grandpa Ken. I've been hard on him this morning. All right. The point, boys and girls, I'm making is that friends, when they find something good, you tell a friend about it. So boys and girls, some of you learned so much more about Jesus this week. What do you need to do? You need to tell friends about Jesus, that He loves them. And when it comes time for Kids Club and Sunday School kickoff, uh, we want to tell our friends about Jesus. Secondly, this is funny. 
when Nathaniel hears Jesus, remember what, remember what he said about Jesus? We have found the one the Bible told us about. His name is Jesus. He's from the town of Nazareth. His daddy is Joseph the carpenter. Now you expect Nathaniel to be excited when Philip tells him that good news. But what happens is that Nathaniel, when he hears that news, he shares not his likes, but his dislikes. He gives a big what you talking about, Philip, to Philip. Now that girl, I, I'm sorry, I agree with her. She is holding on her fork. Do any of you kids know what that thing is on her fork? What is it? Do you eat those? No. <laughs> that is a Brussels sprout. That is a type of food that was invented in a laboratory to torture children. It was. <laughs> we all have things we like and we have things we don't like. Now, as you kids grow into big people, one day you'll have these things that we call prejudices. And that means something or someone or someplace that you just don't like. You are against it. Towns, for instance, have prejudices. If you live in Edmonton, which city do you not like? Yeah, rightfully so. Exactly. If you live in Edmonton, you don't like Calgary. You don't like their teams. If you live in Calgary, those hillbillies in the north, you want nothing to do with them. You know, uh, if you live in Medicine Hat, when we first moved to Medicine Hat years ago to pastor a church, the first thing we did is, could somebody tell us which town we're not supposed to like? You know, because you got to learn that. And they said, oh, at Lethbridge, of course. We hate Lethbridge, you know. And if you move to Swift Current, you don't like Moose Jaw. And it just goes on and on. Some people understand that when they watch that TV show Corner Gas. Dog River, what town did they not like? Don't spit. It's Woolerton. <laughs> and, you know, they would all, they would all spit on the ground when somebody said Woolerton. Most people think that's a comedy, but we who live in small town on the prairies, we understand that's a documentary. You know, that's, that's how we really are. We all have prejudices against somebody or someplace. Now, believe it or not, Nathaniel's hometown was a little dusty little town called Cana. And Cana was right next to a dustier little town called Nazareth. People in Cana hated Nazareth. People in Nazareth hated Cana. They don't hate the people. They just, that's their prejudice. They just don't like it. It's like kids not liking food. So listen to what Nathaniel says when we found the Messiah, we found the king, and he's promised, and sorry to say, he's from Nazareth. You know, and so in John 146, we see what Nathaniel's response was. His response is, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Probably he spit on the ground first. <clears throat> Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Because that's the answer to prejudice. And sometimes we learn our dislikes from other people, grown-ups. They'll teach us to be afraid of this. Some of those dislikes are important. Mom and dad teach you, you know, the top of the stove, it's very pretty when it's hot. See how it glows red? So pretty. Maybe you want to put your hand on that. 
No, you don't. It will burn you. And they teach you not to like that because it's for your safety. But sometimes something can be good for you and you still don't like it. They'll take that Brussels sprout or that spinach or those vegetables and they'll say, these are good for you. Try it. And you don't even have to try it. You know you don't like it. You don't like it. Now, boys and girls, that helps us understand dislikes and prejudice. What food, everybody, raise a hand and only one, what food don't you like? I don't have time to call on everyone. What's one food? Uh, Lucas. No, oh, you just wanted to raise your hand. That's right. How about you, Lincoln? What don't you like? Avocados. How about you? What don't you like, Zeke? What's that? Zucchini. Zucchini. Hmm. Isaiah, how about you? Chicken. Chicken. I know. I don't know where he gets it from. <laughs> Lila, what don't you like? Spinach. How about grown-ups? Any grown-ups not like something? We like everything. We do. How about you kids back there? Mushrooms. I love mushrooms. I know. How about you, Amber? What don't you like? Broccoli. How about Tommy? What doesn't Tommy like? Same thing. Boys and girls, here is a list of foods that scientists have studied. These are foods that children don't like when they're young, but for some amazing reason, we like it when we grow up. You will change and overcome your prejudices and dislikes. We have broccoli. We have eggs. I love eggs. Have you ever smelled the sulfur in eggs? Eggs texture, taste, and looks are kind of gross until you cook them up right. Coffee. Oh, boy, did I ever change. Cauliflower, asparagus, stinky blue cheese, spinach, fish, mushrooms, tomato. You can make a awesome pizza out of this stuff boy look at that i get hungry looking at this screen but you know boys and girls i didn't like any of these things let me see nope not a single one. Oh, i hated tomatoes gross squishy things we didn't like any of those when we were young many of us but we overcame that you know how you overcome prejudices you actually go and often we don't like a person because we don't know them We don't like a place because we've never lived there. You don't like food because you haven't tried it very much. So what did Philip wisely do for Nathaniel? Nathaniel says, Nazareth, I don't want to see this guy from Nazareth. But what's Philip say? Come and see. Come and see Jesus. And so Nathaniel, he had dislike, but he he was willing to try to overcome his dislike of Nazareth just to see God's Messiah. All right. The next point is that Jesus meets Nathaniel and he loves Nathaniel's honesty. Now, who's the little boy in this picture? Now, what do you know about Pinocchio? What's he doing that makes his nose so long? He lied. Oh boy, Pinocchio is such a wonderful example of children because he told a lie. Now, boys and girls, who teaches children to lie? Is it mom or dad? Maybe grandma or grandpa? Who taught you to... Maybe you have to go to school to get that. And teachers have studied for many years at university to teach children to lie. Is that what happens? Did anyone teach you to lie? 
Satan. <laughs> I think most of us come up with that one on our own, don't we? And I think, you know, we people lie for a couple reasons. We lie because we're afraid. We're, we lie because we're too proud to admit something. We lie because we're jealous. We lie because we're selfish. We lie for a lot of very bad reasons. But believe it or not, though he was a bit skeptical and he had to overcome his dislike of Nazareth, Nathaniel was a man with an honest heart. And so as Jesus sees him coming, Jesus, before he even meets Nathaniel, the very first thing he says, he points to him in John 1.47, and he says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false, in whom there is no deceit, no dishonesty, a genuine true blue Israelite. And Jesus loved him. He, and he knew him before he even met him because he's God's son. He knows everything about us and everything inside of us. And what he loved about Nathaniel, he knew he was prejudiced against Nazareth, but he picked out something good to focus on. He didn't say, oh, Nathaniel, you stuck up man from Cana. Oh man, I don't like Cana any more than you like Nazareth. He didn't do that. He said, a true Israelite. Now, this is kind of tricky. The grown-ups here will understand this. Israel was the name of a man named Jacob. God changed his name from Jacob, which means liar, cheater, and changed his name from lying, cheater, to Israel, which means a prince of God. And Jesus said, you are a genuine Israel. You're like Israel. You're a prince of God, not like Jacob, a lying cheater. That's kind of a funny thing because Jesus refers to Jacob again. And these men uh, who grew up in the Old Testament understanding that they would get that, what Jesus was telling him. Jesus was very smart and he knew the Bible because it was his word, God's word. And he said, you are a genuine prince of God, not a Jacob. There is no deceit in you. And boys and girls, as we learned a lot of things at VBS this week, one of them is to, as followers of Jesus, we need to be more and more like him. In God's word, in the book of Ephesians, look what it says in Ephesians chapter four. It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. The body it's talking about is the body with Jesus as our head, and we are parts of that body, the church, his followers. It says we need to be like Jesus if we're his followers. And there is no falsehood in Jesus. He always tells us the truth. And I love that about kids. They will tell you the truth. They will not spare your feelings. You know, they are blunt. Let's put it that way. Uh, years ago, Art Linkletter, remember his show, Kids Say the Darndest Things? Because kids tell the truth. So they'll lie to cover up or to get their way. You know, you don't have to teach them to do that as they admitted this morning. But they will tell you the truth too. And Jesus loved the truth that he saw in the heart of Nathaniel. He loved his honesty. Now, that's the very first thing Jesus told him. He says, Nathaniel, you are like Israel. You're a genuine, true article. You're not deceitful like Jacob. 
And Nathaniel's thinking, and he says, how does Jesus know me? We've never met. Did Philip tell him about him? And he's wondering all of these things. And the next point says what Jesus did for Nathaniel now to put his faith in Jesus. What did Jesus do for Nathaniel to put his faith in Jesus? Jesus, look what he says in John 1.48. Nathaniel asks him, how do you know me? He's asking Jesus, you say I'm truthful. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. And get this, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, that's kind of interesting. Jesus said, before Philip even fetched you to come meet me, I already saw you. I already knew you. We don't know. Philip was probably studying God's word or praying. He was spending a quiet time with God. And when you spend time with God, you're spending time with Jesus as God, as the son of God. And Jesus knew him. And when Jesus said that, it's like his eyes were opened. He said, this isn't just a man or a prophet. This is God's own son. And so instantly, Nathanael puts his faith in Jesus in a powerful way. And it says in verse 49, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, which means teacher, you're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And if he's an Israelite, he's saying, Jesus, you're my God and my king. What an incredible thing. Jesus miraculously knew about Nathaniel, as he knows about all of us, and Nathaniel put his faith in him. Now, putting your faith in somebody is like putting your hand in their hand. You trust them. You know they are somebody that you can put your faith in. We talked about it this week. It's putting our belief in Jesus. That's what saves us. Remember one of the verses we had on day four, we talked about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember, that's the day where we heard about Jesus' power lets us live forever. Trust Jesus! That's right. Trust Jesus. Boy, my hearing, it wasn't good before, but after this week, it is rough. That's right. Jesus' power to live forever. And it comes to us through simply trusting Jesus, believing in Him that He took our place on the cross, paid the price for our sins when He died for us, that God raised Him from the grave and we can live with Jesus in heaven forever if we simply trust in Him. Now here's the funny thing. The message this morning ends with this. Jesus told Nathanael a little bitty thing that he knows about him as God. I saw you under the fig tree. That miracle blew Nathanael's mind and he became a follower of Jesus instantly. You are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus, he says, you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, Nathanael, if you think this is good, you just wait what you will see as my follower. John chapter 1, continuing and closing the chapter, Jesus said in verse 50, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Oh, you shall see greater things than that, he added. I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
Oh, you are going to see miracles and angels, incredible things, Nathaniel. You haven't seen anything yet. I believe what Jesus was telling Nathaniel, and he tells all of us grown-ups, boys and girls, is that when we put our faith in Jesus and start out as his follower, that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That still lies in front of us. Now, every week we've been talking about these 12 followers of Jesus and what happened and how their lives went. You know, after chapter 1, and we see Nathaniel again briefly in John chapter 21, as they are fishing and Jesus comes to meet them after his resurrection, well, we don't hear a lot about Nathaniel. We know he was one of the apostles, that he went out as a missionary. Uh, there are rumors from the early church that Nathaniel was preaching in Persia, maybe India like Thomas, and probably north, up by the Black Sea, in a place called Armenia. And we know that he was faithful to the very end and gave his life following Jesus. There's different ways we hear about that Nathaniel died, but most likely he was drowned. He was put in a sack and drowned. And that, that's interesting to me that he was faithful to the end. You know why we knew he'd be faithful to the end, boys and girls? Because Nathaniel was faithful from the start. If you're faithful from the start, you'll be faithful to the end. And that's why VBS is so important to give our kids a good start in their faith as followers of Jesus. Well, that is all from me at this time. Now, let's... Get the kids up here with Miss Connie and have a closing song. All right, men and women, boys and girls, everybody, let's stand together and have a closing song.
All right, boys and girls, everybody, let's uh, pray and we'll head out and enjoy the beautiful summer day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the kids. Uh, Lord, the life they show uh, reminds us of the joy of knowing Jesus. Lord, we started, many of us, long ago on that path as followers. Lord, help us who were faithful from the start to be faithful to the end. May Nathaniel Bartholomew, Lord, be a wonderful example for not only the kids, but for each one of us. Lord, dismiss us now with your blessing. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. God bless.